the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome aboard. And guess what? Yeah, the Stephen Tubbs Show, but Matt Dunn here, the Backbone Radio guy, Sunday guy. But the same exact time slot, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I'm Sundays, 4 to 7. Here we are Friday, 4 to 7. And I will say this, there's just a little bit more traffic getting into the studio on Friday as compared to Sunday, where I just whip on in here. But, you know, on Friday, you kind of got to sit there a little bit. And it just gives me a chance to brainstorm about some of the things that we can be visiting about for these next three wonderful hours of of wisdom and insight and righteous indignation and plans for the future. 303-696-1971. Would love to hear any and all thoughts that might be going on out there in the brilliant genius 710 KNUS audience, which is growing every day. And I've got a few things to be covering We'll talk about Twitter, but I just—I was just thinking this driving in, that have you noticed that the Democrats, the left, appears to be losing their confidence about this election coming up? I sense that they're, um, they're losing their confidence, and I just kind of wonder if we're starting to feel a collapse, a Democrat collapse. Here we are, two weeks out from the election. Oh, man. And I'm an expert watcher of propaganda. I think I should have a Ph.D., at least an honorary one, in propaganda. And when I look at the commentators, the lefty commentators, I look at the networks, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, all of the freak job leftists out there that do nothing but dispense their propaganda. Well, guess what? They're getting rather testy. They're lashing out a little bit. They're even sort of lashing out a bit at Biden's spokespeople who are up there, you know, shilling for the administration and talking about how, yo, the economy is strong. And, yeah, we're we're all going to be focused on abortion for the election, not this pocketbook issue stuff. And the commentators are kind of telling Biden people, hey, they're not buying it. People are not buying it. They're looking worried. They're looking scared. Oh, no. Gas prices. And I'll tell you, my uh, my sweet, lovely wife went to the grocery store a day or two ago, and she came back and she told me that uh, butter, she's complaining about butter, the price of butter. And um, apparently butter is up to $6.29 a pound. And my wife pointed out to me, she held up these four sticks of butter, this little packet of butter. And I don't think it was like fancy butter. I think it's just regular, normal pedestrian butter, you know, for just a normal working class family right here in the Denver metro area. She says, I used to be able to get this for $5 for four sticks, $5 for four sticks. Now it's $12 for four sticks. And, you know, she wasn't freaking out or anything, just very level headed type individual, that uh, crazy wife of mine. And um, tell you what, $5 up to $12 in the Biden era. 
Yeah, how do we like that? Ladies and gentlemen, and that's just one thing. That's just butter, you know. Obviously, we've got gas. We've got all kinds of food. We've got go down the list of 40-year highs on inflation. And that is what is on people's minds heading in to the potential red tsunami. I don't know. Dare you say it? Dare you predict? Dare you get too excited? I always qualify any thoughts about the election, how it's going to go by, hey, do we have enough election integrity? And um, I just, you know, sometimes have concerns about that, that uh, we maybe don't have enough election integrity. But I think if we do... (laughs) We are going to have a red wave, potentially even red tsunami. And so I just sense that. You know, li- listen to the, uh, to the propagandist media. Listen to them and just look at them. I mean, they're pretty good at playing it cool, but I can see through their superficial veneers. And I see concern. I see worry. I see fear. I see trepidation. And I like all that. I, I like that. I, I think... America has gotten a good dose of uh, what it's like to have the left running all branches of government. The Democrats run the presidency and the Senate and the House. And I think people are thinking, God, gee, wow, that's enough. Man, they have just screwed up the place. And it really didn't take them very long. Let's just change something around here. Let's get some different people in there who are not as freakish as the people we currently have in power, the extremists, freakish people in power. I always love the debates that we have, and Joe Biden goes out there. Remember the Red Devil speech where he's got the red backdrop and he's flailing his arms and he's yelling and he's hollering, and he talks about extreme Republican voters, extreme MAGA voters. And I was thinking, you know, uh, who who's the extreme people, really? Who, who are the extreme people? And that would be the people in power. That would be your good, solid leftists that want to blow up the world over Ukraine, over who rules the Donbass, that want to charge you double and triple a gallon what you used to be paying when Trump was in office, that want, seem to want your food prices going straight north. I mean, you know, and they, you know, all of their weird sex, gender ideology they're forcing on children these days, that is extreme. That is extreme stuff. And we MAGA people are just flat-out moderate, common-sense, moderate people who just sort of want to live our lives and would like to see the economy do well and respect the traditions of this country. And, yeah, I mean, I have a graphic here. Did you know that in the Joe Biden era, inflation has hit 8.3%? Whoa! Under Trump? Inflation was 1.4. It just wasn't even a factor, folks. Wow, 8.3 under Biden, 1.4 under Trump. Hmm. Gas, average price under Biden, $3.91 a gallon. Under Trump, $2.31 a gallon. Ooh, big contrast. Big contrast. About doubled if you average it up under Joe Biden. He's busily draining the petroleum reserve, by the way. I'm going to do a segment on that here in just a little bit. Mortgage rates under Biden, 6.5%. It was half that under Donald Trump, 3.25%. Joe Biden has a wide open border, wide open, wide open, bad. Fentanyl, trafficking, the whole deal, the whole mess, just awful. 
I hear Joe O'Day is down there at the border today. Glad he is highlighting our border problems wide open under Biden. Under Trump, it was secure. Crime, very high under Joe Biden, under the Democrats running the state of Colorado. Under Trump, it was actually low. Hmm, interesting. Anyway, go down the list of the contrasts here, and we've got a fine mess for the Democrats. Would you like to be a Democrat right now, heading into election? <laughs> you're, you know, you're uh, less than two weeks away from the election, and you've got the economy in shambles. You've got the Saudis saying this stuff. Oh, you guys are having, you got diesel shortages coming, 25 days to fix a diesel shortage. The United States of America. Oh, you want to talk about problems. Wait until we run out of diesel. Oh, we'll, we'll play some Tucker Carlson on that and some Zero Hedge doing some articles about diesel shortages in this country. But you're, you know, you're a Democrat. You're cruising into the election. You're asking for people's votes. And you have royally screwed up the place. You have just absolutely botched it on everything that matters. <laughs> you... And you're going in asking for votes. How, how do you think you'd be feeling right now? And all right, so do you want Joe Biden to come campaign for you? Do you want him to come out and help you on the campaign trail? No. You can stay right there in the basement in Delaware, Joe. We just, we'd rather not have you campaign. That's what the Democrats are saying. Not out loud. Well, probably some of them have said it out loud. By the way, even in New York State, the governor's race in New York State, the Republican and the Democrat are like tied. According to the poll data, Lee Zeldin, the Republican, is tied with Kathy Hochul, the hopeless Democrat running New York, the governor's race. They're tied. New York. Now, that is freaking out the Democrats. They're losing their, their confidence, I'll tell you. <laughs> and, oh, it just couldn't happen to a better bunch of strange extremist leaders running this country, if I do say. So I just, I think... Uh, Big headwinds for Democrats. Big headwinds. They keep talking about, yeah, abortion is going to be what motivates the left to get out and vote the abortion issue. And the data is not backing that up, apparently. And even the, the left wing media is even saying, oh, well, gosh, it's just not anywhere near on the scale of what people are concerned about in terms of groceries and gas and all that. And uh, but they, they're, they're trying to push that abortion issue. The, they just they, you know, want more of it, want more of it. Um. But it's just not quite the motivating issue that the left was hoping that was going to be. But, oh, did you see the Fetterman debate, the senator, Senate race in Ohio? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, that took some wind out of the sails of the Democrats, by the way. Oh, and in uh, we'll do an energy segment. Did you know that Germany is tearing down a wind farm in order to expand a coal mine right now? Oh, winter is coming. They're taking down windmills in order to have more coal. Oh, hmm. Meanwhile, yeah, Biden draining the petroleum reserve and Biden begging the Saudis for more oil. He doesn't care what they do after the election, but before the election, hey, you know, we've got a little problem with our gas prices, Saudis. You may, you know, Sheik, could you help us out with more oil? What can you do for us? And the Saudis are like, uh, <laughs> no thanks, bud. No, no, thank you. Joe Biden, um, ooh, that's just not great to be vulnerable to other people on your energy needs now, is it? Just not a good feeling. And under Trump, again, we had energy independence. He worked us there. He got us there. Energy independence. Man, we were cruising as a nation. 
It was great. It was golden. It was glory. And now it's like the spectacle of the American president begging Saudis for more oil, begging the Venezuelans for more oil. And apparently the Venezuelans don't pick up Biden's phone calls. <laughs> it's like, it's, is, it, is it a comedy? It's almost a comedy. It's a comedy until you go to the store and buy butter. You get to the store, you start buying butter, and you're like, whoa, uh, I got, you know, my wife comes home. She's showing me butter, and it's like expensive. That's, that's when you start losing your sense of humor. And that's when you start saying, ah, let's get this done. Let's get out and vote. Let's see a red wave. Let's push a red wave. Let's elevate a red wave. Let's not let any of whatever the psyop trick tactics the Democrats have in store for this next week and a half. How long is it? I should know this. Today is the 28th. The election is November 8th. Would that be like uh, 11, 12 days? I shouldn't say two weeks. Anyway, let's not let us be psyched out. Let's just be motivated. Yes, I don't want to say keep calm and carry on because you got to have righteous indignation to want to change the mess that has been brought on by the Democrats in Colorado, in the United States of America, and even with their globalist World Economic Forum, Build Back Better cohorts all around the world. It's time to, uh, to make a change, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm just kind of just uh, throwing out various ideas that are popping into my head. I'm going to go into more detail on each of these here as the program goes on. But I saw a sad note that uh, Jerry Lee Lewis has passed away. Jerry Lee, Jerry Lee. Great balls of fire, whole lot of shaking going on. We're going to be playing some Jerry Lee tunes here this afternoon. And uh, looking forward to sharing some Jerry Lee. I have, I have always really loved his music, and I love the Southern style. He came up with Elvis and John Cash and Carl Perkins and, and that crowd. And I play him all the time on Sundays on Backbone Radio. So we'll talk Jerry Lee. Hate to lose him, age 87. Sad news there. And um, by the way, topping off the list of woes for the Democrats, they were just counting on January 6th is going to be a big deal for voters in 2022. Guess what? It is almost literally a zero, just like Zippo, Zilch, Zeroid. The uh, Harvard Harris poll has voter concerns of January 6th, like way down on the list. Only 7% of voters think that the January 6th stuff is a big deal. That is a big face plant for Liz Cheney and Adam Schiff and the rest of that, uh, that uh, unselect committee, as Trump likes to call them. January 6th is not registering. And there was an MSNBC focus group that went on uh, two nights ago. I grabbed the audio. I might play it later. In which uh, the, the MSNBC indoctrinated propaganda host is trying to impress about the goal, the grief, gravest importance of January 6th and all that. And the focus group of just normal people that somehow, I don't know if they vetted them or what, but they, they were right back in, her, in that MSNBC host's face pointing out the truth of January 6th, and it was just not even on their radar. Meanwhile, yeah, it's gas, it's groceries, it's energy, lack of independence, and go down the list. Plus the weird cultural war stuff that the freaks on top are pushing on this country. They just do not, they despise normal Christian America. They just do. They want to change how we live. They want to change how we drive and eat and breathe and the whole deal. And I just don't think it's going over well. And I think they've got, yeah, a couple of weeks to sit around keeping on being nervous about what's going to happen on November 8th. (laughs) 
Yeah. Maybe even Colorado can get through. I don't know. It's always tough in Colorado. Hard to make predictions about Colorado. But what if we got through? What, what, what if we got a little purple action? What if we got a little spots of red or two, you know, here in the state of Colorado? That would be progress. That would be progress. That would be good. All right. Now, I want to do get into Twitter action. Elon has purchased Twitter. And uh, should I break or should I? Can I say a little hello here? Okay. Um, if you're on the phone lines, you better hang on just a moment. 303-696-1971. But let's, let's talk some Twitter action. Big civilizational event. Definitely the biggest story of them all is Elon actually got Twitter purchased as of like uh, yesterday, last night. It happened. And so, oh, could we have free speech in this country? Could we have a bit more free speech in this country? Something we have so sorely lacked for all these years, leaving the establishment freaks in control of our thought and our discourse, just massacring the First Amendment. Ooh, it's good. It's a big deal. And maybe we'll just talk about why when we come back. It's Matt Dunn, guest hosting for Stefan Tubbs. The phone number is 303-696-1971 right here on your local News Talk Leader 710 KNUS. The bird is the word. The bird is free. That was Elon Musk's first tweet after getting a hold of Twitter, after buying Twitter, after purchasing Twitter. He, he, he tweeted this, quote, the bird is freed. And it only cost him $44 billion to purchase Twitter. Some people are saying, oh, it wasn't worth that much. It's worth not even $5 billion, you know, all the bots and all of the, uh, all of the fluff that goes on around Twitter. But I, I don't see it that way. I see free speech as priceless. Can you put a value on free speech, one of our civilizational norms that we've come to uh, expect in this country until all of a sudden, like the last, what, four, five, six years, maybe a little longer all of a sudden, you're starting to see too many Americans who uh, really don't like free speech, and they think that they need to be shutting down, silencing, censoring people who have opinions that they think should not be allowed to be in existence. You can't think crime thoughts. You know, you, you can't think thoughts that are not approved of by the politically correct Stasi police, and they want you banned and shut down. That's why so many people on the left, they wake up in the morning because they want to like go out and shut other voices down and censor people and ban them. Elon Musk has purchased Twitter and he has been on record saying that, hey, you know, it is helpful to civilization to have a reliable town square where people can talk about issues and uh, people can issue their opinions on issues right, left, center, all over the place. And that somehow helps civilization itself. And that's in alignment with American values, with the American First Amendment. It's very exciting. Will, uh, yes, uh, Elon Musk is going to be the CEO of Twitter. And he also now refers to himself as the, quote, chief twit. <laughs> chief twit. <laughs> I, uh, I like that. Uh, chief twit. He's, he's got a sense of humor about this stuff. And you have to say... One thing Twitter has been lacking, especially since they permanently lifetime banned Donald Trump, they've been lacking a sense of humor. 
And I would say this, that the, the left and the people that are so obsessed with power, 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 it's all about power, more power for them, less for you, more power for them, that they don't have a sense of humor about it. They, they've lost their sense of humor. Even like the late night comedy shows, you try to ever watch those, which I don't do. Sometimes I see them at the gym when I'm in there doing a late shift, you know, pumping iron. And they're not funny. It's like jokes written, written by bureaucrat deep staters who work for one agency or another because it's all controlled. Humor is rigidly controlled. And they also, by the way, big connections with Twitter. There's like a big deep state component to Twitter. All right. And um, I think a lot of people are aware of that. Some people might not be aware of that, that how many FBI agents have worked for Twitter and how much overlap is there between people that um, decide, like, who do you decide to censor? Who do you decide to lifetime ban? And there's been some connections with, like, the Biden administration or with political people say, oh, I want you to ban so-and-so. I want you to ban the Babylon Bee, you know, or, oh, you got to ban Trump, right? And um, I wonder if Elon Musk is sitting on some information that might have some uh, some paper trail about how all that has gone down. And I'm just I'm looking forward to the unbanning. Bring people back. Bring the lifetime bans back. Bring back Donald Trump. Bring back the Babylon Bee. Stop harassing libs of TikTok. And you could go down a list of dozens, dozens of hundreds even of high-profile Twitter accounts who have been shut down and silenced, thrown into permanent or even temporary or repeated Twitter jail suspension, all the rest of it. Interesting to me that it was, uh, I believe back in January or February, at Backbone Radio, I did a big, long segment about Elon Musk's interview with the Babylon Bee. The Babylon Bee did a podcast. They sat down with Elon Musk and had a great interview. And I, that was the one. Elon Musk kind of first came to my notice as an original thinker, as an interesting guy, and someone who has a set of values in general that I think are pretty simpatico with life, liberty, freedom, the pursuit of happiness. And so I was playing that big time. And then it was about like two weeks later that the Twitter people banned Babylon Bee. And then it was like a month after that that suddenly there's word that, hey, Elon Musk is going to buy Twitter. He's going to buy Twitter. Richest man in the world is going to buy Twitter. South African national, Elon Musk, raised in an apartheid country, and he thought Twitter was becoming an apartheid kind of territory. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say it like that. But I, I, think, I think he's thinking that. He, he doesn't like a, an apartheid-type regime, which is what Twitter had become with the nasty, censorious, Bolshevik people on top waking up every day and banning people they disagree with. Yeah, and shutting them down. Shutting down the President of the United States of America, which is just flat-out insane that people did that. So anyway, Elon Musk says he's going to fire 75% of the Twitter staff, and I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing like more like 99%. But yeah, 75%, okay. That's a good start. And they'll land on their feet. They get fired. They land on their feet. They can go, like, make solar panels or something. Don't you think? They can go, uh, what did somebody on Twitter say? They, they can become sandwich artists. That's they, They'll land on their feet, these Bolshevik Twitter people. They'll be all right. But so Elon Musk walks in the door and fires CEO Parag Agarawal, the CEO, one of the most aggressive censors of speech we have ever seen. <laughs> That guy is gone, and uh, apparently, you know, like Elon Musk, Agrawal was an immigrant to this country, 
and uh, showed up, did not seem to respect our First Amendment traditions. Tucker Carlson was saying that about Parag. And so Parag is gone. He's just, he's out the door. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much for coming. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. Bing. Bing. Bye-bye. Yeah, we'll see you, Parag. Later, dude. CFO Ned Siegel has also been fired. <laughs> so I don't know much about Ned Siegel, but apparently he's gone. He's going to have to go uh, learn to code or something. Isn't that what uh, what they say we're supposed to do when we lose uh, energy jobs, agricultural jobs? Go learn to code. That's what the left wing says. Um, but the big one that really got my attention is that Elon Musk fired Vijaya Gade, V-I-J-A-Y-A, Gadi, G-A-D-D-E, who is the head of legal policy and trust and safety for Twitter. Fired. And she, she, Vijaya Gadi, was the woman who fired Donald Trump from Twitter, who banned him, the lifetime ban from Twitter, apparently... They're saying that Vijaya Gadi was most responsible for that. She made $17 million a year for uh, doing whatever, head of legal policy for Twitter. And um, I guess now it's time for her to uh, go do something else. But how outrageous that somebody like a Vijaya God could, uh, could ban Donald Trump for life from Twitter. But I guess it, maybe you should say this. Bye. Thank you very much for coming. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye, Bing. Bing. Bye-bye. Yep. So um, that's kind of what you'd call a good start, is you just sort of come in and just start throwing people out, just like gone, you know, uh, chuck at them. Elon Musk carried a sink into Twitter headquarters yesterday, apparently, and he said, let that sink in, kind of a pun. So many people end their tweets with, uh, they make a statement and they say, let that sink in, and Elon carried an actual sink into Twitter. New CEO, the chief twit, as he calls himself. Liberals are having meltdowns all across the place. Might be contributing to that loss of confidence you are seeing from the left right now. Oh, no, we still have like a week and a half before the elections. And now maybe there's going to be free speech before an election. We can't have that. We don't want free speech. And does everybody understand this about how we do not actually have free speech in this country and how Republicans, how conservatives, how normal patriotic people in the heartland have been sitting in the dark for quite some time? People understand that, right? You get banned from Twitter, but also you get algorithmed. They do that on Facebook as well, where they can kind of have this little dial where they'll turn up how much exposure they will allow a tweet or a post to have. Or they can turn it down really low so that so-and-so tweets something that the Twitter Bolsheviks don't like. They can turn it down really low so, like, very few people see it, you know, and they can start dropping your follower count. Um, they can make it so that your tweets don't appear on other people's timelines. And not sure how many folks uh, listening would be actual Twitter people. I actually am. There's a great Twitter page called At Backbone Radio which I am responsible for, which is a, a very good place to get good information that gets through the propaganda. But so they'll ban you outright or they'll dial you down based on their little algorithm. They have all kinds of ways to do that. And Elon Musk comes in, buys Twitter, and we'll see. We'll see if he, uh, if he can maintain that commitment to free speech. My sense is he will. Um, 
But he's going to be up against the deep state, against the crooks that are currently running this country, that the last thing these people ever want is free speech, because free speech is a threat to their power. Truth is a threat to their power, and I hope people understand that as well. And another thing that needs to be understood is, how come Republican politicians never stood up to the tech tyrants here? How come, you know, Elon Musk had to be the guy to come in and do this and get this job done? Why was the how come Republican politicians didn't didn't stand up to all the banning and all the censorship and banning the president of the United States? How come that didn't happen? And I would submit to you this, and this is a sad reality, it's a sad truth, is that some of the rhino community, the rhino class, and I guess I'm thinking of people like Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan and Liz Cheney, people like that, they would rather have their own Republican voters sitting in the dark, isolated, unable to communicate, unable to speak, censored, deplatformed, and all the rest of it. They would they would actually prefer that. And that might not connect with some people, but I really think that is the case. They give lip service to it. Maybe they'll even fundraise off of it. They'll try to get people to donate money. They say they're going to, but then, you know, nothing. Squash, you know, like stepping on a plum. Nothing happens. But Elon has stepped in here, and so I think, I think it's going to be very, very interesting how this plays. And you just wonder, okay, the deep state, they don't want free speech. The people in power, very powerful people, big billionaire class, the, the non-Elon billionaires, they're going to try to find ways to... Um, to make free speech not a possibility. They're going to find other ways. They're going to, what are they going to do? And that's kind of the question mark I'm looking for is like, what are they going to try to do? What stunts are they going to try to pull? Right? And I, I, I say, I don't know what they're going to try to do. Now, I've got a lot more on Twitter and freedom and the free bird and all that. Maybe we should play free bird next. Maybe we should do that. But uh, we started out this segment with, um, uh, what was that song? Uh, the bird is the word. <laughs> the bird is the word by the trash men. Very pompous uh, individuals in the trash men. They they really thought highly of themselves. But there's because this is newsworthy. I can play a little a little music clip. You know that little middle segment. Maybe we should go out with this the, for this segment. The little middle segment. The classic middle segment of surfing bird. The bird is the word. And uh, just when you think about Parag Agrawal being booted, Ned Siegel and Vijaya Gade being booted, I think this, this, this might be worth hearing a little bit of this. Surfing, the surfing bird. <laughs> 50 surfing tone. Not bad. Pretty bold. Who likes this song? I mean, is this brilliant? Is this genius? They call themselves the trash man, you know, but I mean, I think these are brilliant musicians here. And it really fits. The surfing bird, the bird is back, the bird is freed. And yes, it's Matt Dunn, guest hosting for Stefan Tubbs here this evening afternoon. The phone number 303-696-1971. You are invited. And why don't we take a little break? We'll come back right after this.
Yeah, I thought we'd bring out the free bird tune because, yes, Elon has purchased Twitter and his first tweet was, the bird is freed. And yeah, free speech, that is a civilizational deal to have free speech, to allow people to be heard and to speak in the public square rather than allow the powerful to control the narrative, to control the discourse, and to ban and censor their political opponents or people that they don't want their ideas to ever get any oxygen at all whatsoever. And back in the day, this is back uh, February, March, when Elon Musk first started down this road to buying Twitter, he, he said this. My, my strong intuitive sense is that uh, having a public platform that is maximally trusted um, and, 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 and broadly inclusive um, is extremely important to the future of civilization. But you've, um, you've described I, yourself. I, I don't care about the economics at all. Okay, that's, yes. that's cool to hear. It is civilizational. He says he doesn't care about the economics at all on any of this, um, and he shouldn't. You know, he's the world's richest man. He could pay whatever he wants for anything. He could pay $44 billion uh, to buy a couple of movie tickets one night if he just felt like it and have the same effect on him as it would on, uh, on Leroy or I, you know, hanging out here in the studio today. Um, but free speech, again, it is priceless. It is invaluable. And again, it is civilizational. This is something that Darren Beatty, talking to Tucker Carlson last night, had to say about it. It's a civilizational deal. Darren Beatty of Revolver News has been thinking and writing about this for months now. He joins us tonight to give some perspective on it. Darren, thanks so much for coming on. So why, why is this a bigger story than your average billionaire buying your average media outlet? Well, Elon Musk has the potential to be a great man of history, and he has stepped outside of his designated role as glorified IT support for the regime, and he stepped into a very dangerous, high-stakes arena for a cause of civilizational importance. The question of whether we have free speech on what he calls a global public square is indeed of civilizational importance, and it's an existential threat to the crooks that control our regime. And in fact, it's such a threat that I predict if he goes through with this and it does implement free speech on Twitter, Elon Musk and Twitter will be designated, in effect, the number one national security threat to the crooks in control of our regime. Yeah, Darren Beatty thinks that there are crooks in control of our regime, and I would agree with him on that. Just flat-out agreement there. And you have to understand their, their to-the-core hostility to free speech and what a threat free speech is to them and their power. And as I've said, they have no sense of humor about their power. They are very serious about their power. And so what will be the response and what will Elon have to deal with after his purchase of Twitter? Let's just keep our eyes out for that. As we can look forward to people being unbanned, we can look forward to uh, Heartland accounts to get more followers suddenly showing up. We can look forward to tweets having higher response rates and more visibility out there and all kinds of good stuff. So it's, you know, let's celebrate, let's, let's have a good time with all this, but just know that we're going to have a little bit more of a scenario here. And, um, boy, they did not want Elon to buy this thing. And even the Biden administration was saying, we might, 
it's, it could be a national security problem here. Uh, national security, they always invoke that, you know, does the deep state. And uh, he's under two federal investigations right now as Elon for various reasons. Yeah, the feds. One thing the feds don't seem to want is the, uh, you know, the First Amendment. And uh, shouldn't the feds be the ones that are most uh, passionate about the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the what the federal government uh, is established upon? But uh, somehow it just isn't that way anymore. Anyway, I've got more on this, but I thought I would start saying hello on the phone lines. 303-696-1971. And uh, John, thanks for hanging on a minute, John. And I don't know if you wanted to talk about this particular topic or something else, but welcome to the program. And John might not be there. Is John there? Uh, Can you hear me? Oh, there you go. Welcome. Okay, John. Thanks, doctor. And thanks for taking my call. Um, Great to hear you as always. I've got a quick comment about Elon, which is a huge deal, and then an important connected issue question. I I really think Elon sees a much bigger picture than most of the world. The combination also of his intellect and humor is truly elevational. Agreed. um, uh, You know, the hopefully time will reason out. You know, the left's outrage and gaslighting is always screamed out uh, like most of their issues as a completely existential crisis. But hopefully time will reason out the reality of the change on the largest public square. The The question I have uh, has to do with the upcoming election, and I think it is connected because it's difficult to research judges. And uh, I, I would love to find out where I can find opinions on any constitutional judges that should be kept because you know all of this that elon's doing if if the the justice system is corrupt then it's kind of all for naught yeah and so you're talking about you know with your ballot right there in front of you um are you in denver so denver county judges the little vote on whether you retain them or not is that i'm in douglas so you're in douglas okay exactly and I, uh, oh, that, that's one where, um, you know, people realistically probably don't do a whole lot of digging into that and getting that information. And I don't know where a ready accessible, you know, bunch of information is on this. But generally, you know, I read a lot of news. And so if I've seen something with a certain judge's name pop in or doing something that, you know, concerns me or strikes me as not good, then uh, I go for the old no vote there. There are some judges that, you know, I even know personally or whatever, you know, and I think, ah, that person's cool. I'll keep them around. But that's not a very helpful answer answer to your question. And uh, you don't know of any place to go for this kind of info, right? Well, there's been a a few places digging around. Judgevoterguide.com is is interesting. There's there's some, but all of the judges are are listed as basically none. You know, they don't. They, they can't say whether they're, you know, left, right, right. or whatever. But the uh, It'd be nice to get info know, on any, who appointed them. That is one thing that would be useful and helpful. Oh, that's true. But uh, do you agree that the, the judges are uh, pivotal uh, in keeping a, you know, a, a representative republic representative? Uh, well, most certainly, um, all through the judiciary, you know, we do have a lot of problems there. I think that's one of the legacies of Trump is that, boy, did he ever help out our beleaguered judiciary all across this country, especially the Supreme Court. But, um, boy, that's one where um, 
a lot of times, you know, the left, one of the things they would always do is if they couldn't get something through politically through the, uh, the, the legislative channels, they would somehow arrange to have judges get things into law, essentially. And that's, that's been a big deal in uh, American politics for quite some time. And uh, when, uh, you know, unelected judges, uh, politicians wearing black robes start doing that kind of stuff, it's, it's, it's not the way it was intended to be, and we've had too much of it. Agreed. Don't all of them take the oath to defend and protect the Constitution? Yeah, but, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, it's open to interpretation, right? Or at least they wouldn't, they wouldn't make some obvious, uh, obvious uh, decisions that would seem to be obviously connected to the Constitution, right? And probably your and my opinion, John, I would think. It's so true. And I'm, yeah. I'm very excited about what Elon's doing. So I'm... Uh, uh, we live in a, an amazingly exciting time. It is a very exciting time, and I think it's kind of interesting to me that Elon gets Twitter freeze the bird right before the midterm elections, and we'll see if it's uh, that you know opening a little free speech because boy, heading into that last election, remember Twitter? They banned any references to the Hunter Biden laptop, and they banned the New York Post itself, which got the breaking news about the Hunter Biden laptop. It was a uh, massively censored, censored, no free speech zone, controlled narratives. And, you know, that had some impact on the election. So I, I agree. I agree. And I don't think Twitter really wanted to go to uh, to court with him because that would have allowed them through, uh, you know, disclosure to uh, see all the the bots and the connections with the agencies, the cutouts and the NGOs. So I, I don't think they wanted to go down that road. Through, exactly. You know, and, you know, the people, um, you know, that uh, have been fired by Elon Musk, you know, the Parag Agrawal and the Vijaya Gade and all that, you know, they got paid very well. They'll, they won't be starving anytime soon. But boy, is it good to have those Bolsheviks out of power there at Twitter. John, thank you for checking in. It's Matt Dunn, and for Tubbs, be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.